0: Gears a little bit, and we're going to get into the word here for the remainder of our time together. Let's pray before we uh, start. Father God, I thank you for uh, this time that we can gather together, and I thank you for the the worship that has been uh, given to you and uh, the voices singing your praises. Lord, we thank you for how amazing you are and the fact that you uh, gave yourself for us. Lord, we thank you that you came, that you experienced uh, the hardship of this life, that you experienced the things that um, just our life. Lord, you experienced our life and you lived that life um, to give us life. We just thank you for uh, your sacrifice for us. Thank you for this day that we get to to dive into your word and to uh, explore what you have for us today. God, I just pray that your spirit would uh, be working among us, that you'd be um, giving us um, hearts that are receptive to, to your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, this past week, I came across an article about a man named... Juan Jose Florian. Florian grew up in the forested areas of South America, often being exposed to conflict between the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia and the Colombian government. After joining and then leaving the Revolutionary Armed Forces, Florian was targeted and ended up severely maimed as a result of a devastating explosion designed by his enemies. In the subsequent months, having lost both of his arms and one of his legs, Florian faced a number of operations and battled with depression as he moved towards recovery. Eventually, he was transferred to a special group of soldiers who had also been traumatized by the war. And in the company of these individuals, in the company of these men, he he found new meaning to life. In spite of his limitations, he began to Participate in swimming competitions with others who had been disabled. He began to win these competitions and eventually transferred his ambition to cycling, even though he had never ridden a bicycle in his life. As a triple amputee, he put his abilities to work and eventually modified his bike to accommodate his limitations. In November he was crowned the paracycling champion in Colombia an incredible accomplishment and the article noted that Florian now calls the bomb that nearly killed him a gift of life a gift of life Florian is a man who is able to grasp that adversity can bring opportunity through his trials he was able to see how he was given a great gift One that could bring blessings and inspiration to others. And in our scripture today, Paul had a similar perspective. So let's open the word together to Philippians, if you would. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. This is Paul writing to the church at Philippi, and he says this. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident, In the Lord, by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. This passage gives us three key ways that God uses our adversity to advance the gospel. Number one, and if you're a note taker, you can take notes here God creates opportunity through our adversity. God creates opportunity through our adversity. He says in verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So if we look at a little bit of the context here, this is Paul's first main message to the church. This is his first main discourse. And he gives a greeting in one through two. He greets the saints with overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He gives thanks to them in chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. And then our text this morning marks the beginning of his exhortation or his teaching passage. This is important. There is something that Paul is trying to teach here right off the bat to the Philippian church. Let's look at his wording here. He says, I want you to know, brothers... I want you to know, brothers, the word know is the first word in Greek. And so this means that there's an emphasis. You need to know this. This is the goal of my passage. And this knowledge is an experiential knowledge. It's it's personal. It's not like knowing that two plus two equals four or, um, you know, knowing about worlds of fun. It's actually going on the rides and experiencing it. Knowing something personally. It's the difference between knowing facts about someone and actually knowing them in a personal way. So he says, I want you to internalize this, to make it a part of your life, that you gain perspective on how adversity can turn into opportunity. I want you to know, the word want is literally to will or to plan. With full resolve, it's as if Paul is saying, it's my will and plan for you to personally know these truths. I want you to know that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. The immediate question here becomes, what has happened to Paul? What is Paul speaking of here? Let's look at verse 13 and 14. He mentions that his imprisonment is for Christ and then in verse 14 he says the brothers have become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment. He mentions his imprisonment twice. And most commentators believe that Paul was imprisoned at Rome during this time. If you want to you can turn over to Acts 28:16. Uh, Acts 28:16. At the end of the book of Acts, uh, we read about Paul's imprisonment in Rome. Acts 28.16 talks about how uh, Paul arrived in Rome. They set sail in this ship and uh, they stopped at a number of places along the way. It says, and when we came to Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. So Paul had appealed to Caesar for his trial. If you remember, he was in Jerusalem and he was being accused by the Jewish leaders. And since he was a Roman citizen, he decided to use his citizenship to appeal to Caesar for trial. And so that is why he was in Rome. Uh, He was under house arrest in Rome for two whole years. Uh, So this would have been he was chained to a Roman guard. Um, He couldn't leave his house I work with a number of individuals who have uh, experienced being in jail or being in prison at, at some point in their lives. And more often than not, I hear nothing but negative thoughts about being restricted in your movement and the ability to do what you will. Even though Paul was not in prison in the same sense, he was severely limited by his house arrest. Just imagine, if you will, a missionary such as Paul, so used to traveling, so used to going where he wanted to, speaking the gospel around the Roman world. And here he is in a house chained to a guard. But Paul did not focus on his adversity. He focused on the opportunity that God had given him where he was at. It was during these years that the gospel spread, if you're still in uh If you're still in Acts, you can turn to Acts uh, 28, 28 through 31. I'll read it for you here. Acts 28, the very end of the book of Acts, it says, Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. That's Paul speaking. Then it says he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. With all boldness. So he was there in Rome. He was in his house and he welcomed people. He continued to proclaim the kingdom of God. It is also interesting to note that uh, during these two years, he wrote his letter to the Philippians. If you remember, he... Visited Philippi during his missionary journeys. He was even in prison there and saw the Philippian jailer become a believer. What an example this is for those to whom he was writing. Paul's imprisonment has really served to advance the gospel because God creates opportunity through adversity. Paul didn't view his imprisonment as a setback, he saw it as an opportunity for the gospel to go forth. It could be said that Paul practiced hospitality evangelism, even while being confined to one house and and chained to a guard. So what adversities do you face that give an opportunity to advance the gospel? When Eric Eric and I first uh, returned from Jordan, we were struggling to really understand uh, what God was doing, you know, it didn't make much sense to us. Uh, you know, why God, why would you call us somewhere and commission us and send us and have us go through this whole process uh, only to have us return after a couple of months? And it was a time where I really struggled to see how God was creating opportunity through adversity. After all, how could the gospel be spread and the kingdom be built up if we weren't in the Middle East building up the church? But God had another plan, uh, and I praise the Lord for how he has changed our vision and given us a new uh, ministry to advance the gospel. You see, part of what Paul is teaching the Philippians here is trust. Do we really trust that God can use our adversity to create an opportunity for the gospel to go forth in our lives and in the lives of others? Do we trust that God can use house arrest or disability or depression or loss or quarantine to advance the gospel. What opportunities to advance the gospel present themselves every day, especially in your adversity? God creates opportunity through our adversity. Second point here is that God desires transparency in our adversity. God desires transparency in our adversity. Verse 13 of uh, Philippians 1 here says, So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. The word known here literally means to, to bring to light, to shine, or to cause to appear. It's like switching on a light. It has become known throughout the whole imperial guard. And this imperial guard is translated from the Greek word praetorium. And this could either mean that Paul shared the gospel with everyone in the palace or all the guards in the palace. The praetorian guard or the imperial guard was the personal guard of the emperor himself. The personal guard of the emperor. Remember that he is in Rome under house arrest and... And very likely soldiers, you know, had to come in and, and take turns guarding him. And so as they guarded him, he was able to talk with them and share the gospel. Share the testimony of what God had done in his life to these guards of the emperor. Paul was not merely sitting in prison, despondent about his condition or or even writing letters to his church friends, he was sharing the gospel. He was testifying to the Lord's work in his life. Look at what it says uh, immediately following this. It says, So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. The message is spreading in Caesar's own household. Those who meet with the most powerful man in the entire world Know why Paul is in chains and who it is that Paul serves. Paul was not about to let this opportunity go. Paul was simply telling the truth. He was sharing his testimony. He was in chains for Christ. What an open door for the gospel. I'm here chained up because I love the Lord. Let me tell you about him. He was transparent with those around him. Sometimes we make sharing our faith a little bit harder than it it should be. Sometimes we walk around with all of our shutters and blinds closed and, and not allowing any of that light to be seen by others. And I want to challenge you this morning to share your testimony with others. It is risky, can be frightening, but ask yourself, what has Jesus done in my life? How has he changed me? You could be have been a believer for a long time. You could be a new believer. But what has he done in your life? How has he worked? Your testimony is unique. It is unlike anyone else's testimony. God has worked in your life in a way that is different from every other person. And the question is, what is this testimony and are you willing to offer it? to others. One example of this that I have really enjoyed over the past few months is uh, the opportunity that many in this church have had to share testimonies of God's work in their lives. And I think it's uh, safe to say that the last few months um, here at Sycamore has been filled with some adversity, some questions. What's next? What does that look like? It's been filled with some trials And as this church uh, continues to seek for uh, a new pastor to to lead the church forward, uh, I just want to thank those that have been willing and vulnerable to share their testimony and who have said, this is what God God has done in my life. I pray that uh, even during this search for a new pastor, that as a church, Sycamore has been able to say what has happened has really served to advance the gospel. We are called to be transparent with the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done in our lives. And when this happens, the gospel will expand and advance as we struggle through the adversity in our lives. God creates opportunity through our adversity. God desires transparency in our adversity. And finally, God inspires bravery through our adversity. God inspires bravery through our adversity. If you look at verse 14 here, uh, Philippians 1.14, Paul says, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul says that most of the brothers, most of the fellow believers that I know have become more confident, confident in the Lord, trusting to be persuaded by God's trustworthiness. That's what it means. They became confident by Paul's imprisonment. That's quite a statement. You would think that his imprisonment would strike fear into other believers. Paul, the great leader of the church, a missionary, he's in prison. And yet they become became more confident in the Lord, in his power to protect, to sustain, to provide for them. And so when you read about the persecution of our brothers and sisters around the world, what does it generate in you? What emotions does it generate in you? It has been almost uh, two months since the uh, CAM missionaries in Haiti have been taken hostage and, uh, you know, thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people have been praying for their release and uh, praise the Lord that God is answering those prayers and that people are being released. But when you think about this situation, when you think about the adversity that these brothers and sisters are facing, does it inspire you or discourage you? You see, how we interpret adversity determines... How we respond to it. If we see it as an opportunity, if we see it as God's way of spreading his gospel in our own hearts and abroad. Then we have no need to fear. We will not be shaken. I've been really inspired as I've been reading uh, through the book of Acts and how God used the difficulties faced by the church to spread his word. I'll just read here a little bit Uh, on Acts 5. The apostles were arrested by the Jewish leaders. But then it says later that the disciples continued to increase. In Acts 7, Stephen was stoned, but the church was scattered, spreading the gospel even further. In Acts 12, James was killed and Peter imprisoned, but the word of God increased and multiplied. In Acts 14, Paul was stoned, but then he went and strengthened the disciples throughout the whole region. In Acts 16, Paul and Silas are imprisoned. But God ends up saving the Philippian jailer, most likely giving birth to this church here in Philippi. And so here Paul tells the Philippians, my imprisonment is empowering the church, not destroying it. Most of the brothers are much more bold to speak the word without fear. The brothers are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Not only is Paul sharing the gospel, but others are sharing the gospel because of his adversity, because he is in prison. When you see opportunity through adversity, when you are transparent in your adversity, then others become courageous when they see your response. So what testimony has God given you to give courage to others? Listen to Paul's words in uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 3-5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. So Paul's saying that as we suffer, as we share in Christ's sufferings, then we share in comfort. We're able to comfort those who who have been through similar trials, similar struggles. We're able to give bravery, give encouragement, give grace to others who are going through similar things. So in other words, you're... Affliction, your suffering, your adversity is not just about you. And ultimately, we see this fulfilled in our Savior Jesus. His suffering and his death was an inspiration to us. If you listen to uh, Hebrews 12.3, it says, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. So that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. We can consider Jesus and what he went through and the fact that he came to earth as a baby. He lived a life experiencing the weight of the world. He experienced hostility from others. And his example can be what gives us that bravery, that encouragement, that comfort. When we face difficult times, it's an opportunity to inspire others to greater devotion, to greater commitment, to greater love for the Lord Jesus. Is there someone in your life, just think for a moment, whose response to adversity has caused you to have a greater trust and confidence in the Lord? May we be those people who can inspire others to have confidence that the Lord will bring us through. God creates opportunity through our adversity. God desires transparency in our adversity. And God inspires bravery through our adversity. So what is your adversity today? Many of those in this church have faced uh, tremendous adversity over the past few years. I don't want to in any way downplay that. And as a counselor, I know um, that it's important to acknowledge how heavy those things are and to acknowledge the weight of loss and the weight of grief. Adversity is never easy. Difficulties challenge our faith. They test our resilience. And yet I want to leave you with a few final questions to ask when faced with adversity. Number one, how could this adversity be an opportunity to advance the gospel. The next time you are faced with a weight, something very heavy, something uh, very difficult, a trial, whatever it may be, how could this adversity be an opportunity to advance the gospel? How is God using where I am right now, even in the difficult times, to advance the gospel, even from being in house arrest, Just as with Joseph in the Old Testament who declared to his brothers what you meant for evil, God meant for good. May we see what God is doing in the midst of that. How could this adversity be an opportunity to advance the gospel? Number two, how can I testify to God's work in the midst of my adversity? What does God want to speak to others as a result of the trials that I have faced? And are you willing to share that? What does God want to speak to others And then number three, who can I encourage or strengthen as a result of my adversity? Who needs to see your tested character to see what you've been through and to be inspired? May God help all of us to see how he can use the adversity in this life and as we struggle with uh, these hard things to advance his gospel to shape us, to shape others, so that Christ may be glorified, so that he may uh, be praised. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are the God of redemption and new beginnings and bringing that opportunity And grace, even in the midst of adversity and hard times. And Lord, I pray that as we face those times, maybe in the next few weeks, the next months, or the next years, Lord, that you would change our perspective, that you would help us to have a mindset that asks, What are you doing in the midst of this? Lord, how can I testify to your goodness and your grace? God, I thank you that you are there to comfort us in our struggles. Thank you that you are there to uh, change our hearts and renew us as we continue to to seek you. And so, Lord, I pray, uh, especially here at Sycamore, Lord, um, in the coming months, with the continued uh, search for a pastor and uh, all that's going on, Lord, that you would uh, be glorified, that your gospel would spread here and around the world, God. We thank you, Lord, that you're powerful enough to to do that, and we pray that you would just help us to um, trust you uh, in any and every circumstance. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.